passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It is Rewind to Raw. Hello, it is John Pollock waiting. Another week begins at Post Wrestling. Welcome one, welcome all. Hello, Way. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Happy um, mid-July. Is it mid-July? I guess we're kind of there. It's G1 week. It is G1 week, which is the official end of the summer for us. Uh, mm-hmm. It all goes down this Saturday. G1 kicks off, and then for the next month, we will be watching a lot of wrestling from various uh, sweat boxes in Japan, as it is it is hot over there. I'm not going to complain about any of the heat that we're getting here compared to, I mean, just imagine what Sumo Hall is going to be like, uh, middle of the summer. I've heard, I've heard it gets very hot in the summer, especially G1 final time. Uh, I hope they fix their AC, if there, if there is AC at all. I mean, we're not that far off. John, you know, like it, it's pretty hot here in Toronto, too. It's pretty hot in many places in the world, I I imagine. It's exceptionally heated um, the, the, this year, more than most I have found. And mm-hmm. this is not just uh, anecdotally. It sounds like this is like one of the hotter series of temperatures we have had. Yeah. So so, um, so stay inside, listen yeah. to podcasts all summer and do so at the Post Wrestling Cafe, where we are giving you no less than six shows on the cafe this week between our great team. So you jump on at postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestling.com. What you are in store for this week includes Way and I sitting down and doing the only skill set that we have, talk. We are going to talk to one another about threads. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about Stan Hansen. We're going to talk about everything. So look forward to that later this week at the Post Wrestling Cafe. That will be dropping Tuesday, late afternoon, early evening. And I am glad that we have this schedule that is so handy <laughs> that I can refer to because Wednesday, the double shot is back. We're chatting Adrian Adonis. Bit of a preview of that in today's news update. If you want to uh, go over the Coles notes of uh, 
Adrian Adonis, a very, very tragic end to his death, but a very, um, you know, noteworthy career in the 34 years that he lived. MCU later on Thursday. Way if I've missed the first three episodes of Secret Invasion, what have I missed? What am I diving into on episode four with WH and Rich Fan? Um, I would say you've you've missed like a pretty well building story so far of a lot of um a lot of mistrust and a lot of perhaps of details into Nick Fury's backstory. You know, uh, one of the more secretive characters in the entire um, uh, MCU. Uh, we're learning a whole lot about this season. So uh, more importantly, you get to hear Rich Fan and WH Park talk about comic books and comic book movies and TV shows, which is my personal hook. Yes. The Blind Eliminator Tournament at Post Wrestling. I'm sorry, AEW. You have nothing on us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They are our um, Big Bill and Brian Cage, the... I mean that in a, in a positive way because I think those two are a great team together. Which one is Big Bill and which one's Brian Cage? Uh, I don't know if either strike me as as those two being the best representatives of each one, but we'll say that. Um, <laughs> uh, See, I feel, I feel like WH would not be a fan of either of those wrestlers. No, no, WH would be a very small sample size of ones that he would be a yeah. compliment but i i'm comparing the chemistry maybe not the individual actors uh okay. in and of themselves but you you listen to secret invasions uh the review this week on mcu later and you tell us what team they best embody and then friday night we've got rewind to smackdown with myself and way it's the eve before the storm and then the g1 kicks off saturday so cafe members will get the first show from Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson. Sunday's G1 show we're going to do as a special free release with myself and Way. Uh, but Cafe members will get Collision Course that day with Kate from Montreal and John Ceno. So uh, it is, it's always a great time to jump on board the cafe. But this summer, uh, you're going to get more bang for your buck uh, on a, a daily basis. Shows for all of the G1 events. We are going to have Bruce and Karen doing shows. We're going to have WH doing shows, Eric Marcotte, myself and Way. So it's going to be a very fun ride throughout the summer covering this year's G1 with the four blocks and a lot of new names that are in the tournament this year. And we'll go over some of the stories going into the G1 later on this week. Yeah, and for uh, the best way to, to join along for the ride is, of course, to sign up for our post-wrestling g1 contest completely free to enter just make your picks and then see how you did uh, throughout the course of the tournament so that's available of course at postwrestling.com slash g1 free to enter do so before thursday 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 night thursday Thursday night all right that's uh that is put that alarm onto your phone now make sure you get all your picks in i will i will set aside time i gotta i gotta do some like math here i need like can can could i get uh like an AI generator to like book this tournament in the style of ghetto. Um, I, I wonder how chat GPT would, would possibly do with G1 picks. I mean, Randobot is completely random and Randobot typically does pretty well, but how would AI that actually, if we gave a brain to Randobot it? with, uh, could, could assess past G1 patterns, ghettos booking this year, the new mm-hmm. stars he's getting behind the, uh, the new three musketeers, um, that would be very interesting. What all could we could we do? When when will how long will this be a, an AI proof contest? I mean, Gato can't book forever, so maybe you know they'll, they'll, they'll be looking to replace him with AI at some point. Well, the big show that is uh, sweeping the nation 
at the post wrestling universe. It is Collision Course with John Cena and Kate from Montreal. Way and I are going to share some of our thoughts on Collision. But if you want to go get a sample of Collision Course, we have made for for one week only a free sample of their show. You can listen to this past weekend's show where Kate and John go through Samoa Joe versus CM Punk four from well, build is four. They've had more, but. Four is the uh, the unofficial chronology now attached to these two members in Regina, Saskatchewan. So uh, go get all the happenings from uh, Kate and John with their uh, always thorough rundown uh, from our newest show at Post Wrestling. Yeah, that's available on the free feed. So just scroll down beneath this one. You'll be able to find this past week's edition of Collision Course. I thought the two of them did a great job. We even heard from some callers on the show as well. That is true. Yes. We also uh, also did a show myself and Andrew Thompson on a Friday night. A lot of great calls on Friday. So if you want to catch up on the weekend action, that is where you can go. But I want to go back to Regina, Saskatchewan way. And what did you think about uh, week number four of Collision and CM Punk Samoa Joe? Um, so this was, I think they're, you know, appropriate, like biggest swing at bat for a collision thus far the first episode well arguably maybe outside of the first one with the return of cm punk but first one had a lot of hype just with punk coming back second one had him like you know it still felt like relatively big because it was our second appearance from cm punk you got a bit more of a fleshing out of some of the characters involved third one was where things took a, a real turn without much look to look forward to i i would say the excitement around you know the show had pretty much died down at that point and it resulted in in the rating that we ended up getting this was where they really picked things back up with a huge you know at least to longtime fans um singles match a rare singles match involving cm punk on tv and uh the, you know but the big discussion i think coming out of it was that it wasn't the best match on the show. I thought it was a satisfying match. You know, I wasn't expecting them to maybe, you know, deliver us to us like, you know, a 60 minute draw or anything you know, resembling maybe their, their prior matches. But I thought it was satisfying and appropriate given, you know, what I've seen of the two lately. But the match of the show was certainly FTR versus Bullet Club Gold, which um, that went 30 minutes and it was an outstanding match. I thought this was the best collision to date of the four. I thought that this was such a well-packed show that had just a collection of, of just a lot of elements. Like obviously Punk and Joe was front and center and should have been front and center for this show. And they were in a very, they were in a tough spot where you are taking a match that even if you were a big fan of it in the first iterations in 2004 with so many years removed you're going to romanticize it so much more. So you're you're fighting history with your fan base and you have to do it in 15 minutes with a commercial break in there. So it's, you know, it is, and, and it's just natural. These guys are that, they're 18 years older, um, 19 really from their, uh, well, 18 from the last time that they had a match together. I was with you. I thought like it was certainly the tag match that was the match of the show. It felt like one of those great, tag matches you would get in like the early 90s in wcw with like your your austins and uh ricky steamboats and where it was just a really well done match probably the best we have seen of juice robinson and jay white in aew where this is the kind of match that a jay white is really going to stand out with all the little things he does and having the time to do so as opposed to the the short window that sometimes he's he's got to cram a 16 minute story into a seven minute match. And that was not the case here. And you almost thought they were going to do like the, 
30 minutes and they'd be up and come back with a rematch. Instead, they did do the ending and comes back with a two out of three falls match the next week. I also thought the crowd was, this was not a huge crowd in Regina, but they sounded so much louder than Halifax or sorry, Hamilton the previous week. And that was very true in the opener with Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs, who I thought had a really good 11 minute match for the time that they had the crowd elevated it. They were into both guys and a bit of a surprising outcome with Hobbs losing, at least in in my mind. But I re- I really like the show on uh on, on Saturday. I had to break break it up because I was watching the UFC pay per view. But I found like this was a show that I I was glad that I got to see on Saturday night, and it was it was the most satisfied I left a collision with so far after the first four. Mm-hmm. It was a show where we were also supposed to get Athena versus Willow Nightingale, and due to um the, you know re- injuries to Willow that that they discussed from um, the New Japan shows, she was unable to compete. Um, and I don't know where they might have made up for that time. One would think maybe that went into the half hour tag team match that took place. But I think the show was kind of, you know, I mean, we don't know. I'm sure they would have, have had a great match. But I'm all I'm saying is we didn't have that much like build for the show. And I think it helped the show because it felt like we had a lot of breathing room for a lot of, of what we ended up seeing and, and enough anticipation being put in for almost everything on this show, whether it be, you know, this tag team match or the two Owen Hart Cup um, tournament matches or the return of Scorpio Sky even got a little bit of Julia Hart in there as well. Um, and, you know, putting maybe her sort of like winning streak in, into more of a spotlight. So I agree. I thought it was a very satisfying two hours. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you, you can see on collision, like who the kind of focused upon stars are. I think one difference we're going to see in collision and probably because of this, it's not a split, but we do have people that are earmarked for collision and not dynamite that maybe we won't see this on dynamite as frequently, but like a Scorpio sky, I'm pretty confident this guy's going to be back with a regular presence. And it's not going to be a case of he gets this win and we don't see him on TV for three or four weeks. And we forget about him. I think with Hobbs, yes, he lost in the tournament here. We're going to get follow-up on it next week. Punk, Mm -hmm. you know, is going to be on every week. Joe's going to be on every week. Juice and Jay, like those four are Miro and Andrade and the house of black seem to be, you know, they're all progressing week by week. And I think that that does help because sometimes that's, where momentum gets lost on dynamite is someone has a great match and then you don't follow up on it or you do so on, you know, not on the main show. And and now you don't have the the dark shows anymore to even follow up on in a smaller way. There's a set cast of characters, people that you, you expect to, to be around every single week. And that's how you, you're able to tell stories through consistency. I mean, dynamite has that too, but um, it feels a lot more spread out um, maybe through rampage too, even, but um, so thus far, Collision, I think, has you know give you, given you a pretty defined roster. Yes. And so this coming Saturday, it's the show in Calgary. It is the Owen Hart Cup final with CM Punk against Ricky Starks. And then the women's final will be uh, Athena and Willow. They're obviously hopeful enough that Willow can wrestle on Wednesday because she's advertised for Rampage. And then that winner will face the winner of Ruby Soho and Sky Blue, who have their match on Wednesday. Plus you have the tag title rematch with FTR against Juice Robinson and Jay White. That is going to be on the collision portion because battle of the belts will follow collision this coming Saturday. And that's got Luchasaurus against Sean Spears announced so Mm -hmm. far. 
I thought they might just put the tag titles on Battle of the Belts and let them go like 45 minutes. Just do the two matches on Battle of the Belts, but probably best to put them on the uh, the prime two hours because I could see a drop off for Battle of the Belts. I could see that, too, unless they announce something, you know, extra special for Battle of the Belts and judging by prior battles of the belts, um, that has never really been the case. So. What if Luchasaurus and Spears go the hour? Um, okay, then maybe change my mind. I mean, a- a longer doesn't necessarily be better, John. So, you know, can they, can it be a compelling, you know, hour um, after already a two-hour show? How much Brett is going to be all over this show? Not physically there, but just the present. Like, you're in Calgary. It's all the over. Owen Hart Cup. You've got FTR that I would imagine open the show and Punk closes the show with Starks. Mm, I mean, right. this is – it'll be a very interesting show. Or, or the women's um, final might open as well. Yeah, m- perhaps you could you could you could sandwich them together. I guess unlikely, you- given like the way that that they booked, you know, like Tony has booked these AEW shows. But sure, yeah. And then you do the ceremony at the end, where I'm hoping that imagine like CM Punk and say whoever the women's winner is, Ruby Soho, wear the gangster hats with Tony. Oh, okay. This is a bit more gangster this year. They wanted, remember? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So anyway, that's coming up. I thought it was a very good episode. Again, as I've uh, stated, the number will be out tomorrow. My impression is that it's it's it'll be a rebound from last week, but I'm still not expecting this to be um, through mm. the roof. But we, we'll see. I mean, we have seen a big range from episode one to two to three, and we're still finding our bearings out on what collision is going to get steady at. But week four, at least on paper, you looked at this as a pretty enticing show. And we'll see if the number backs that up. They were against um, the UFC 290 prelims, which were it was a pretty big show on Saturday. And that Robbie Lawler retirement was I don't know if you got to see any of it way, but Robbie Lawler finishes Nico Price in 38 seconds. And then they aired this awesome video, uh, this tribute for Robbie Lawler. And so the Lawler fight is starting right as Punk and Joe is beginning. And I'm kind of watching them both at the same time. And it was funny because they finished this video and they had like 20 minutes of time left on ABC. So they kind of had to just kill time for the, for the rest of it. But I don't know if the prelims will take any dent out of collision, but it was something they were up against along with. Major League Baseball, so um, a bit more competitive than a regular fight night card for them. But did you hear any news coming out of UFC 290 way? Um, I, I heard about a certain promo and, um, you know, a certain promoter's reaction to a certain promo from Israel. Oh, this is the Drickus Duplessis and uh, Israel Adesanya, which was a, a, a very uncomfortable moment on, on the pay-per-view where uh, Adesanya came. This was after Drickus Duplessis finishes Robert Whitaker, by far the biggest win of his career, and sets him up to fight Adesanya. And they have had this really kind of ugly feud that, that has been brewing for several months after Duplessis originally, he's, he's sort of backtracked what he meant by this, but stating that, you know, he would consider himself the first African champion because Adesanya no longer lives there. So I stating like, I, I wake up in Africa, I breathe the African air and Adesanya um, took this obviously not uh, well. And it's been a very ugly kind of back and forth. And it led to this moment where Adesanya comes into the octagon and it's just calling him the N word over and over. It was a very uncomfortable moment on the broadcast. And yes, what way is mentioning is it was mentioned to Dana White. If he was uncomfortable by any of the, the racial undertones and, Dana could not have cared at all. And it's the fight business. Who cares? 
Why would people be outraged about this? So anyway, it it could certainly be a very nasty buildup if this fight is uh, officially announced because I'm sure they want this fight for Australia, but that's in, uh, that that's in two weeks time, or sorry, in two months time. And that's a very fast turnaround for Duplessis, but that is the, that is the card that Adesanya wants to headline. Any other notable notes from the event? Ray, Ray Mysterio, uh, Key to R-A-Y. R-A-Y Mysterio. He was in attendance, as was uh, Donald Trump and uh, Mel Gibson. I mean, the uh, what a what, what a collection. Room. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you, you had like Israel Adesanya, like dropping N-bombs as the former president of the United States is, is cage side. I mean, like what a what a scene. If I were to tell you this in 2001 at a UFC event, you'll get that kind of a scene with the president, the former president. Uh, I think side. just Donald Trump as president would be enough to blow most of our minds. Yeah, that would probably be enough. <laughs> Wait a minute. They spelled Ray Mysterio's name wrong on the broadcast. Uh, um, the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky looked phenomenal against uh, Yair Rodriguez. This was his fifth title defense. And this guy, he has stated he's, he wants to fight again this year, uh, but he's got to get surgery on his arm first. I I don't know if this man fully understands what like surgeries entail, but that's, that's a very ambitious timetable that he has. But this guy is, I mean, he won the first two rounds and Rodriguez was starting to piece things together in the third round. And it was like a switch went off in Volkanovsky where it was like, dude, I'm done. And he just slammed them down and finished this fight. I mean, he is, even though he's coming off this win to Islam Makachev, there are people who believe this is the top fighter in the world still pound for pound. And I mean, he is certainly making this campaign to become the greatest featherweight of all time. Like, it's him and Jose Aldo at this point. Those would be your your candidates. But, I mean, certainly building himself up to be, you know, what could be one of the greats of all time. This was another dominant performance. And the the fight of the year that everyone is buzzing about was Alexandra Pantoja defeating Brandon Moreno to win the flyweight title. This is the third time they fought and third time that Pantoja has won. They had a five-round war uh, that Pantoja won on just about everyone's card except for uh, one judge who did have it 49-46 for Moreno. I would say you could go 3-2 for Moreno. I don't think you could make a 4-1 card for uh, Moreno. But I, I saw Pantoja winning 3-2, and he is the new champion. And it would not surprise me if we see a fourth fight between these two at some point. Moreno, Moreno is actually supposed to be in the corner at a Triple Mania this Saturday. He is supposed to be appearing there, so he... Um, he did suffer a broken hand, but we will see if he's at a uh, triple mania, but a rough week for Brandon Moreno. Maybe he'll, well, he'll shoot an angle with Vampiro and uh, just ricochet himself back into uh, prominence in a, in, in a different industry. Um, yeah. And then we had, it, it was just overall, it was an excellent card. I thought it was the best MMA card of the year. Um, just the undercard was strong and you had, you had this great fight between Jalen Turner and Dan Hooker where Dan Hooker ended up breaking his orbital bone and his wrist uh, during this fight. And he managed to come back after getting um, losing the first round. And then he steals the second and wins the third round. That was most cards that would have been fight of the night. And it was only number two. And then you had the great Robbie Lawler send off as well. So this was an excellent show. If you happen to watch it on, on Saturday night. So um, next time way, next time we'll, we'll get together. Uh, if there's no collision to watch, then maybe um, there will always be a collision to watch. Oh. So that that might end those. Points. I'm going to be busy every Saturday night. That's true. Missed missed the boat on UFC fandom. Diener Diener is replacing Steve Macklin at Slammiversary this Saturday. He will team with Bully Ray to take on Scott Demore, and they are now stating that PCO is in doubt because the man was lit on fire. You see, 
So, hmm. um, yeah, that's uh, that's worse than breaking your orbital bone and a wrist like Dan Hooker. So the storyline here is that because PCO was lit on fire, his status is unknown and they will uh, solidify the partner this week. And it'll be interesting how Thursday's go home show is handled because the TV was taped before Macklin's injury in Australia. So I imagine they're going to have to redo parts of the show. You would think you would have some big segment to set up this tag match for the final TV before Saturday, but now you have a new match with a uh, bully Ray and Dean are teaming up and, um, and figuring out, uh, I guess, uh, PCO's status, which you assume he's in the match. So we will see. But this is what, what does this look like? A uh, week to 10 days <laughs> for uh, being lit on fire. Um, well, he's not human. So, you know, maybe he's probably fine right now. Yeah. <laughs> look at this on fire last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, what's going on in Impact. WWE is returning to Saudi Arabia. Brandon Thurston reporting that the date is November the 4th, which is a Saturday. Uh, A source in the company did confirm this date to post wrestling. So this will be their second of two shows this year in Saudi Arabia. And it will take place a month after Fastlane and three weeks before Survivor Series. And as we saw with the the newest uh, premium live event schedule, they ditched the December show last year. So Survivor Series, most likely the last ple of the year but that will be uh the return to saudi arabia and probably something i mean when you look at this calendar way how many more big title matches do you see roman doing for the rest of this year like SummerSlam is with jay uso let's assume he retains there um you've got the payback show that is labor day weekend you have fast lane saudi arabia and survivor series like it's very possible that um Survivor Series, he doesn't have a title match if you bring back mm-hmm. War Games. And Payback and Fastlane, you wonder if he'll be on those shows, being that they're they're smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Honestly, at this point, it's kind of hard to say um, because they managed to prove that they don't necessarily need a Roman Reigns title defense in order to attract interest in a Roman Reigns appearance. So, you know, I, one would expect this Jey Uso, you know, story to maybe continue beyond SummerSlam and that might be good for another singles match with the stipulation or something. Um, but beyond that, listen, they could create a new challenger as like pretty easily. And there are a lot of fresh matchups for Roman right now on SmackDown. So I could see at least a few more, you know, on road to WrestleMania. Yeah. It's just interesting that here we are, like they, like, they haven't exhausted like, any of them. No, it's like, it's, it's going to be rumble time very like shortly. It's like mm-hmm. they, when you're looking at, charting out the rest of this year for Roman Reigns. Like they are going to get there. And I mean, it seems like uh, WrestleMania will be here sooner than we think. Mm-hmm. Ratings from Friday. We're going to start off with SmackDown. This was a giant number for SmackDown in particular, uh, the most successful segment of the year and of several years for WWE with the bloodline. Wow. Um, so The overall show did 2,561,000 viewers, which was their highest number since early June. And they did a 0.76 in the demo, their highest since that famous Christmas Day episode that had the NFL lead in. So you're looking at a uh, highest number in uh, almost three years in the 18 to 49 demo. And then uh, we got from Brandon Thurston, the quarter hour breakdown. And this second quarter, uh, ended up topping 3 million viewers and 1.2 million in the demo. This was just a gigantic uh, quarter that they did. So, I mean, we, we saw the uh, reports that 
it did go overtime, but this was a gigantic hit. And I was not surprised watching this, that 35 minutes of the bloodline was going to draw in fans. And this was, this was like their most successful quarter in years. I mean, if it went overtime, I'm willing to bet nobody was really too urgent to cut them off because the more this these people um on in this storyline continue to appear on their their TV, the more success it seems to bring to the overall show. So I'm sorry, Karrion Cross versus AJ Styles. You know, um, I'm I'm sure that this they were more than happy to have this one go long. So I this mean, was a- like the, the this is your life segment that went went over dramatically, but it also did a phenomenal number. So if the the easiest way to uh, uh, get forgiveness if you go overtime is you you post a quarter like this one that they did. And I mean, it does tell you something. I don't think you can do this every week and you can't no. just do it with any other story. Uh, but for this one, um, like it, it, it just worked tr- tremendously well. 3,070,000 viewers, 1,229,000 in the demo for that second quarter. And I mean, the rest of the show all performed well. There was not a real dud segment. It's just that first 35 minutes of the show were especially the 915 to or 815 to 830 segment was through the roof and correct me if i'm wrong but they did they ever promote that roman was going to return at the end of the show not until it was late in the show when they announced that jay uso has come back mm-hmm. from from the hospital they did not state that we will hear again from reigns and jay uso so yeah you got that a second bloodline segment at the end of the show on top of it Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you know, clearly, like the, uh, the they recognize that these sort of promoted in ring talking segments do massive for the shows, and and they're you know they they're looking for every excuse I'm sure to put one out there. But you know, the trick is to deliver a satisfying segment that feels worth watching every single time. And I would say for the most part, they've managed to do that. They've managed to give you something special and memorable out of every single one of these segments. Um. So can they keep that up? Yeah. The the big uh, demo that was the star of the night was 18 to 34, which was up 49% from last week. Men 18 to 34 were up 53% from the week before. So this was uh, the biggest audience was their, their younger viewers that tuned in for this. And again, it shows you when there is something very newsworthy and that feels important, suddenly all the rules of, Streaming being a factor and younger people don't watch television seems to buck that trend when something is important and when there's something that people really want to see in mass numbers, they will watch it on television. And this was yet another point towards that Um, because uh, the older audience, 35 to 49, was actually down 8 percent this week. But that was mainly uh, males being down. It was also the highest number in Canada since the SmackDown after WrestleMania. So you're going back to April 7th as they did 178,000 viewers on Friday. Rampage did 368,000 viewers, which was down 18 percent and 18 to 49, a 0.12 down 8 percent. And uh, again, if you look at the uh, the quarter hours from WrestleNomics, it was it was a relatively consistent show. Um, The first quarter did the most, but not by an appreciable margin. And it did not seem from that those results that the Young Bucks and Hangman Page wrestling. It's not like that boosted the number significantly. And they were down from the the week before. You know, the number 100. What's that? What the number 100 was? Yeah, you're right. It was also the 100 gimmick. Yeah, 100. It worked for UFC uh, for their pay-per-views. It did not work for Rampage. Although 
it is there is a notable factor here in that the audience that was down across the board was males while females were either up in in the case of like 35 to 49 like by a large amount even 18 to 49 it was their highest in months um and in 18 to 34 women were even from the week prior so this was a card that drew women but it was not enough to offset the declines in male viewership in all of these demos because men were down like 26% in 18 to 49, 22% in 18 to 34. So it, it did click with um, some viewers, just not all viewers. Well, clearly the Jeff Jarrett, Matt Hardy tandem, I think, you know, after all these years and demo. to have the two uh, team up when you had the tease of Matt and Jeff, you mean my brother, Jeff, <laughs> I hate Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. it's blind eliminator it's doing uh uh wonders i guess and we will have the collision number on ones uh on tuesday i should say so we will see uh how they how they perform and the last thing we will just look ahead to uh the next two nights so nxt they have a pretty full lineup judgment day all four members of judgment day will be on the show and they're pushing the idea carmelo hayes better watch out for damian priest he could cash in on him interesting i i really don't didn't see any promotion for that tonight graves was bringing it up a few times in commentary that carmelo carmelo hayes is a potential target for the cash-in i guess so but i mean you'd figure the judgment day themselves might mention something but that's okay let let them get their trip to florida in and settle and then realize hey we They just got back on the same page tonight so maybe you know that's the last thing on their mind Ilya Dragunov takes on Braun Breaker in a number one contenders match, which should be great. And that sets up the Great American Bash match with Carmelo Hayes for the winner. Tiffany Stratton against Ivy Nile in a non-title match. Andre Chase and Duke Hudson against Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey. Kalani Jordan against Cora Jade. The debut of Lucian Price and Bronco Nima. But the big match, it is Joe Coffey against Channing Lorenzo with the ultimate stipulations. If Lorenzo wins... The charges against Tony D'Angelo, who has been in jail for weeks, will be dropped. I don't think this is how the judicial system works typically, but in wrestling, different rules. And this is in Florida, so it's it's very feasible that this is legit. Whereas if Joe Coffey wins, Tony stays until his trial, and Joe Coffey has been tipped off that it's an unwinnable case for D'Angelo, and he'll be going away for a long time. So hmm. there's a there's a slam dunk case against Tony D'Angelo, but if this man Channing Lorenzo wins a wrestling match, charges go away. Hmm. Could you imagine if this is how it worked in the real world? Crazier things have happened in NXT and the Performance Center, so it feels like it fits, doesn't it? Going to find out if Channing Lorenzo is is a rat if he's if he if he t- goes against Tony D'Angelo. I mean, there's a documented murder that you know those 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 two were involved with. Yeah, I mean they I mean they were kind of responsible for the disappearance of pretty deadly, but they did turn up. Right. Uh I was more so talking about the the guy who's stacks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he got um yeah, he well, no one's seen him. He went to uh eight Vanished. undercard. Yeah. Or, uh, two, two dimes. That's who you're thinking. Two dimes. Right? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Stacks is still here. Stacks was Apologies. yeah, is Channing Lorenzo. Yes, okay. Dynamite in Saskatoon, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen against Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara in the Blind Eliminator Tournament, which should be really good. MJF and Adam Cole against Big Bill and Brian Cage, WH Park and Rich Fan. Ruby Soho against Sky Blue in the Owen Hart Tournament. Jericho against Commander. Swerve Strickland against 18-year-old Nick Wayne. 
and the BCC and Elite will each reveal their mystery partners for Blood and Guts. And there seems to be a lot uh, after see after the Kenny Omega promo after the show went off the air. Certainly, the direction does seem to be Kota Bushi on the Elite side, and if not, I I hope they have something equally as big because that is the one now that people are expecting. Yeah, I mean, the AEW hasn't really they've they've done these sort of teases and not necessarily delivered before and people still seem to move on. I mean, um, Mercedes Bonet, anybody like, remember that Britt Baker tease like way back. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, we hope it's, it's somebody on the level of Lakota Bushi. Certainly it would make for a wonderful moment. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm mostly intrigued, not just by that, but also by the Nick Wayne debut as well. So I think that's going to be one of the more talked about things on the show and, and how the crowd takes to him as well. I, I really hope they air another one of those video packages for for the live crowd as well. And for mm-hmm. the audience at home, because that's, yeah, that could be a really um, cool part of the show on Wednesday night. All of the, your news can be found at postwrestling.com after NXT on Tuesday night, tune in to check out lowdown Davey P and uh showtime Braden H doesn't low down and showtime interesting yeah i don't know about that one uh but yes they are going to be doing up next on tuesday night and they have a busy summer plan they're going to be off to england they're going to be uh taking the world by storm and uh you can follow all of their happenings over at poisonrana.ca they're going to SummerSlam. they're going to all in they're um probably in calgary already for collision you know they're they're everywhere I don't think they're going to Calgary. At least, um, yeah, maybe, maybe they In could spirit, uh, okay. take the train over to Calgary. Mm, maybe they did not go to Buffalo. That is where Raw took place on Monday night from the Key Bank Center. Um, just under ten thousand tickets distributed at uh, last check from WrestleTix. So Raw this month is uh, they're just doing tremendous business and a big crowd on Monday night. And there to welcome them to the show is Finn Balor, who comes out. And his issues with Seth Rollins have not been put to rest due to Damian Priest. And we have the fracturing of the Judgment Day. And that would be playing itself out here on live national television. Ripley and Dominic come out and state this is a conversation for private, not on TV. And Balor accuses Priest of hijacking his moment at Money in the Bank. And Ripley comes into the ring, shutting him down. And he leaves. So Ripley says, this is their business. We still run raw. And as the crowd is shouting down Dom, Seth Rollins comes out with buffalo wings for the cheapest pop maybe ever Mm -hmm. this was so uh just (laughs) hey go out with some buffalo wings yeah where are we tonight we're in buffalo Mm -hmm. yeah so um i you know i imagine part of the intent here was to find ways to annoy john pollock even more than usual with the seth rollins fake laugh because he came out here with his wings eating as he was doing his fake laugh and i can't imagine maybe a more obnoxious way to to present i don't think his his reaction would have been one iota different if he came out without these wings i just want to know who who caught this idea and presented it to like our top guy it's like well just walk up with some wings i i i mean the character kind of like you know literally dances between like um I don't know, endearing like baby face and completely obnoxious heel. And who are we to complain? Because it's all completely worked out for him so far, hasn't it? Well, um, 
These wings probably went to waste. Uh, Dom freaks out over the music playing. He will not be disrespected. And Rollins says he's here to watch Judgment Day implode and both threaten to uh, beat the other. And they are going to have a, a rematch later tonight after last week's disqualification. Backstage, Priest is with Ripley and Dominic. And Rhea wants Priest and Balor to grow up and squash it. Priest said that he spoke to Balor and he will speak them again because of Ripley. So it is Ripley that is sort of the unifier here. She is the one that has to uh, be the, uh, you know, the one to go across the aisle and, uh, and bring these, these guys together and keep Judgment Day intact. And She's Dominic's a- just, you know, whatever. I mean, Rhea really is presented as the only adult in the room. You know, like, in, in fact, like, she really she felt called like them the, children. She felt like the leader of the Judgment Day throughout this episode. There was a lot of Rhea Ripley in this episode. Sometimes it feels like she, this entire show is built around her between, you know, her role in the, in the Judgment Day's various feuds to her own in the women's division. I mean, she really is the main character. Her program with Raquel is like third on the list of the things she has going on. Right. Yeah. Well, come on. Wings. Do you? Look at this. <laughs> Drew McIntyre in his first match back, teaming with Matt Riddle against Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Kaiser bails as soon as Drew is tagged in, and eventually Vinci is in and nails Riddle from the floor. So they take over. He's they get the heat on him until Drew gets the tag and place goes wild for him. He's throwing Vinci all over the place. And then eyes Gunther. And hits a big power bomb to Vinci. Gunther then pulls Drew from the floor, but Riddle takes out Gunther with a flying knee off the steps. And we see a claymore on Vinci as Riddle rolls to the ankle lock on Kaiser to subdue him. And Vinci taps out in 10 minutes and 47 seconds. And we uh, continue the. So Drew's new thing is he's sick of where, where did all these groups come from in this company? I want to get rid of them all. So he's starting with Imperium. He's going to go through all the groups. He hates factions. Yeah. I mean, dude, you were gone for three months. And he was kind of tied to the Brawling Brutes for a good period, wasn't he? He was. But none of these groups popped up during his absence. They were all here. He's just now taking, like, attendance and realizing, hey, a lot of people have friends around here except me. So what, what, what constitutes a group? So I guess two isn't a group to him? I guess it's got to be three or more because Imperium is three. And so what? Riddle are not considered a faction. He just he just likes pairs. He thinks three is a crowd. That's it. Yeah. He doesn't want anybody to have more than one friend backstage. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You have your bestie and that's it. All right. Well, and he drew Riddle. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah, that he did. Yeah, this is all a way to, you know, build to Drew versus Gunther um, with a whole lot of other side characters in between. And I think it's been kind of cute, you know. Uh, this mad match managed to create a little bit of added interest for the Gunther-Drew showdown. Um, they also tried to, he, like, at the end here for Imperium, seemed to indicate some sort of Giovanni Vinci breakup. Like yeah, they, Gunther, Gunther yelled at Vinci. And then walked out on him to the back. And then Kaiser also walked away, leaving Vinci out there by himself because he was the one who took the pin. And yeah, um, so clearly, we have all these groups and they're all teasing uh, problems. Well, well, clearly three is a crowd. I mean, I think they start to agree, you know, maybe they feel things were better with when it was just um, Kaiser with Gunther. So are we going to get now the the trial of Giovanni Vinci? On Raw for forty minutes on yeah. uh, live TV. <laughs> Make it an hour. We've got three to deal with. Yeah, probably not. But I mean, I'm a little surprised that they might possibly be telling a, a breakup story with Giovanni Giovanni Vinci. Anyway, I, I would hate to see them break up Imperium so quickly. And I just wonder what would be actually there for Vinci if not a part of this group. 
Um, not great. I wouldn't look go back to the smiling gimmick. Uh, he'd be he'd be back to um the model. Yeah, taking yeah. those snapshots of himself and probably would not be on Raw too often. Judgment Day is in the back, and Balor blames Priest for him not being champion. And Rhea literally tells him, "Stop acting like children." Priest said, "I never came out to cost you the match. I would never have cashed in on you." So he suggests that they could go back to the way it was. Balor says, or we could just wipe the slate clean, providing that I get Seth Rollins first. And Priest agrees to this. He thinks this is a fine idea. He knows that Balor can beat Rollins and then says, regardless, it's covered as he holds up the briefcase. And Balor's kind of unsure what this means. But essentially, Mm -hmm. he's stating, if you blow it, I'm the insurance. And I won't. Yeah. Either way, the the belt is coming to Judgment Day seems to be the threat. Does this also indicate that we're getting the Balor-Rollins rematch at SummerSlam? Or do you think it's a TV match? No, I think that this is the SummerSlam match because I don't think Rollins has anything else. I was thinking potentially you change it up and you would make it the three-way, but it seems they're going towards the singles option with Rollins and Balor. That that was my takeaway from tonight's show. With a heavy cash and tease, I suppose. With Priest being sort of, yeah, lingering over top and maybe being ringside or something for it. Mm. Jackie Redman interviews Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This was the most uninspired, like, champions, like, What's going on with you guys? I don't know. Just more of the same. We keep winning. We'll probably keep winning. (laughs) It tells you how uninteresting these tag team championships are, unfortunately. I mean, we were all completely interested in seeing them win them from the bloodline. But after that, there really are no other teams for them to defend against at the same level of intrigue. And I mean, it it just feels like other than Roman and Solo, honestly, like there are no actual tag teams that we really care to see like Zayn and Owens defend against. Yeah. I mean, this was just like, we're really bored, but we yeah. keep winning. So Rhea and Dominic walk in and they take issue with not being brought up as a potential team because any member of our group could win your tag titles. And, and then it just gets into, and a yet promo. they have never like cared to actually. No, I mean, win. they would be def- by default. They would be the number one contenders feel like they've already earned that shot and they're they're clearly occupied with more important things dominic says he's going to take out seth tonight or ria says that dominic will take out seth because he worked on his cardio in jail which was how long ago how long can you train cardio and it still pays dividends or is it just kicking in now oh he's just maintained it you know um and there was a line in there as well about like how he never runs out of um cardio or something yeah and it was just some sort of like sexual innuendo that i thought was very cringy but yeah at, at, the, at this stage of the game like the the jail jokes i mean this was a uh, this was very 2005 uh by them but yeah i i thought zane and owens were very um underwhelming on this show where it just seems like they're mm-hmm. they're enough that they are their main eventers but this was just are they main eventers they literally were on the show. I mean, but they were really side supporting act. Well, and we'll show. get into this later. I mean, again, it does show you that in the six man, as we're building up Balor, like Zane is consistently like the sacrificial lamb that they, that they yeah. designate for that spot in the match. Well, well Rollins is a champion. And so, you know, you're going to get great matches out of Owen and Zane, but for as long as like they, they're attached to the tag team division, it's not going to feel like a, you know they're they're the main characters of the show 
We had a promo for Indashir and Jinder Mahal. Maybe that's in store for Owens and Zayn. They haven't beat them, have they? Well, you're right. Yeah, that, that might be it. Seth Rollins and Dominic doesn't get started because Dom jumps Rollins and then Dom hops the barricade. So Rollins chases after him, but it's a trap because Balor and Priest appear attacking Rollins and then Owens and Zayn run out to even it up and Rollins gets a chair and this would lead to a six-man tag to main event the show. Mm -hmm. Logan Paul is seen walking backstage and we see in the background Imperium having a, a conference with the three of them. What was being said? That's the big question. We don't get as many background moments anymore on the show, do we? No. Um, Cut that they, shit out. That, like, I guess pay attention to all this stuff. Like Nikki Ash, that's still somewhat lingering, I suppose. Um, what What happened? To, we should do a what happened to every week in WWE. What happened to Piper Niven? Uh, is she active? Like she wasn't in the turmoil match last. I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Um, where's JD McDonough? Yeah. Uh, Bobby Lashley is doing house shows, but he hasn't been on TV forever. Right. For some of them, I, I would su suggest they're just waiting for like a, a good opportunity to like give them proper focus. We, you know, we, we talked about these shows, maybe having too many people. And if it's, there's no storyline for them, why rush to introduce them? Was it, was it you or Andrew that suggested Cody against Omos? Because that's the match that's on my it mind. Definitely was not see. me. Okay. So. That's Saudi Arabia. Okay. Cody and Omos. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Why not? That's what Omos should be in. Matches are be like, how the hell? Yeah. Like that's, he is their GCW component of these cards. Sure. I'd be down for that. Ricochet comes out um, and took on his longtime rival, a microphone. And he says that every risk he takes is for the fans so that they can go home and say that he was the highlight of the night. But tonight he's here for Logan Paul and they've crossed paths many times and he's not cool with Logan calling him unprofessional on his podcast. And even though, Logan, you admitted you didn't know what you were doing. So come out and face me face to face. Paul comes out and he insults Buffalo and says that Ricochet is spectacular. And it's fireworks when we get together. But I stand by my comments on my podcast. You blew the match for both of us. Now what does now what does it mean in the context of of wrestling? How did Ricochet blow the match? For His explanation was that Ricochet and the others in the match were so concerned with focusing on making sure Logan Paul wasn't winning, and then there were several spots in the match where like everybody was teaming up on Logan Paul yep. that he ended up ruining his own chances. Okay, of winning. He well, he called Ricochet a reckless amateur, and the people cared more about me losing than you winning. Ricochet comes back and says, I wouldn't be in this ring after 20 years if I was unprofessional and never run your mouth about me again. Paul calls him a extra medium button up who is 90% forehead. And he knows you just want to match with me to go viral. This is my cringe line of the, uh, uh, of this. <laughs> I know you just want to go viral with me. And he brings up his legendary knockout punch but he doesn't think that this idea of the two of them having a match will work. So Ricochet uh, did his old uh, spot that we saw in NXT where he flips over the top and lands in front of Logan Paul. And I don't care how many times he does this. It is remarkable. I mean, yeah. could, you, could you imagine screwing this up on live TV? Like you trip or you lose your balance or any many, many different ways this could go wrong. Yeah. And he like, he hits this and it was hits like, it it was like looked very cool. Um, so 
he he flips in front of Paul, and Paul says, "That's pretty cool for TikTok, <laughs> but but I'm not about that because I am the moment." And Paul goes to attack him, and Ricochet hits a sliced bread off of the apron, laying out Logan Paul. And um, I mean, overall, I th- I thought you know Ricochet, I. I, I am hard, harsh on this guy and, and his promos, but I, I thought this was like a, a better promo than most Ricochet promos. And it was a big segment for him. One of his bigger ones he's had in years, I would say. Yeah. Uh, in terms of setting up a match. And Logan Paul is, he's Logan Paul. He always is going to get that reaction. He's very, very natural in this in this skin. So yeah. I, I like this program for both of these guys for SummerSlam. I agree. I agree. I I think it was overall positive segment for a program that I actually didn't think would be SummerSlam worthy, just kind of given how Rick, low Ricochet is on the card. But they're do, taking steps to make Ricochet feel like a big enough star to justify a singles match with Logan Paul on SummerSlam. Um, it, it's almost like the match is being built around. This is going to blow your mind. It's it's almost yeah. less about um, like a rivalry, even though they're trying to conjure that in. It's like this is going to be your wild match where something nutty is going to happen. And I think for a pay-per-view, it's really nice to see them take that sort of direction where like they're focused on the in-ring content being the draw rather than, I don't know, in the past, just focused on some sort of bullshit story that might make you interested. Sometimes it's the match on paper. That is the most interesting, the, the, the most important thing when you're looking at, you know, a build, Um, you know, Ricochet is never going to be a great promo, but I felt like they, they did enough in this segment to remind you that he doesn't necessarily need to be an amazing promo because he physically what he can do is so unique that 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 makes up for you know his 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 shortcomings on the on the microphone and uh, you know the suit the 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 what is it the the somersault dive coupled mm-hmm. with i think you know a pretty impressive looking smooth looking sliced bread on the apron was enough to leave the segment for me, you know, thinking that Ricochet looked really cool and it was enough. Logan Paul, I think, you know, comes across as a guy who maybe in contrast to Ricochet is somebody who's just a complete natural on the microphone, especially pl- predominantly playing as a, a, a heel here. And um, I, I thought he was actually really good. Becky Lynch against Zoe Stark with Trish Stratus in the corner, still wearing her, uh, her nose protector. Uh, they're trading covers and it, it took a bit for the crowd to get, get, this one going but i i thought that zoe stark was working very well here with, with, with becky becky uh gets stomped in the corner and then there's a missile drop kick from stark that sends her to the floor they go through the commercial uh there's a spinning wheel kick by stark that just rocks becky and the crowd then gets behind becky after being subdued for the first half and zoe gets caught holding the rope for leverage when trish interrupts the cover and becky stops the z360 and drop kicks trish off the apron but in doing so stark capitalizes rolling up becky and pinning her in 10 minutes and 33 seconds i thought it was a good match you know um i like the booking it furthers the trish feud it gives zoe a big win um wouldn't say this is a red hot feud at the moment but i think it's all on a right track and it's given Zoe Stark a lot of airtime. I think that's the hope here is that Zoe Stark gets something out of this. And I thought, I thought she performed well here. I think the, the link up with Trish is helping her. It gives her a role on the show and, and a, and a good one at that. And I mm-hmm. think that she is somebody that they can go further with beyond just this program alone. I think Listen, that- the alternative would have been her appearing in the tag team turmoil match and having no other appearance um, beyond that. So yeah, this is a good role for her. 
it's a very low bar. Rollins is hanging out with Owens and Zayn. They're all happy to see each other tonight, and they conclude that they can win this match tonight. So that's good. Well, they're wrong. Yeah, they sh- they should have been less less confident. The graduation ceremony, Alpha Academy brings out Maxine in her gown, and she gives a speech acknowledging that she first thought Gable was a disgusting troll, but learned he is more than that. He's a wonderful friend. The crowd is chanting, you deserve it, and notes how she won her first match beating that witch Valhalla, and thanks this beautiful hunk of beef, Otis, who is her rock. And she thanks Otis, yes, and thanks the fans for accepting her, and we're the three of us are just getting started. And with that, Maxine is presented with a jacket to the the last jacket you'll ever need to put on in life. And then out come the Vikings to ruin this moment. And as they distract Alpha Academy, Valhalla shows up from behind stealing the jacket. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Patrick states that they have pillaged the graduation ceremony. Mm. Yes, as Vikings tend to do, ste- um, pillaging, stealing jackets. Yeah. Did someone do this at our graduation? To Didn't someone steal David Suzuki's jacket? <laughs> I don't know if he was wearing a jacket. No. We didn't get cool jackets like this for our graduation. Is this no. the thing they do in the U.S.? I couldn't even tell you where my uh, diploma is. I don't even know if I still have it. Mm. Um, well, the, the, the university name is outdated anyway. So. That's true. That's true. I need some whiteout. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, this is like harmless mid-card fun that actually seems to entertain and engage a lot of the audience. Um, it, the it, audience it, is getting into Maxine and oh, and this so. three, like the three of them, it, it's serving as something for them in, yeah. in the mid-card. Doesn't do a whole lot for me, to be quite honest, but I mean, th- that doesn't matter. Like all you have to judge is, is the crowd reaction and a lot of people seem to love it. And something as silly as Vikings stealing somebody's jacket ruining this moment for maxine who still hasn't put this jacket on yet i mean it's it seems like it's really working for everybody i mean at most you get like an eight minute match out of chad gable every couple of weeks and i watched Chad gable i was like in another iteration this guy's probably one of the best wrestlers in the world at this point that we're talking about maybe i need to know though what are the vikings going to do with this jacket are they going to put like horns on it i hope valhalla wears this jacket every week (laughs) Sir, okay, like, yeah, like what, 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 like, have you ever seen a Viking wear a varsity jacket? I will next Monday. I guess so. I hope. Yeah. Shayna Baszler was just playing cards with herself backstage, and Emma came in and stated <laughs> that <laughs> it's her gimmick. You know, she she's the queen of spades, and um, that means she. She'll what, always have a deck of cards. What game would her. you play by? Are you doing magic tricks with yourself or crazy? Um, solitaire. Imagine if she had like solitaire set up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, maybe she's M- just constantly shuffling, just like looking for all the the eight, eight, queen of uh, spades. That 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 could be it. Yeah. So Emma comes in and compares how she too went after Ronda Rousey and the two of them got rid of her. And Baszler says, we, and this set up a match. They felt this was, this needs to be settled in the ring. So Shayna, who is a heel this week, can we agree? She was the heel this week. Clearly she was meant to be a heel this entire time. Um, but yet she cut the biggest baby face promo of her life last week, which was obviously Ronda not Rousey. supposed to be. So, I mean, it's uh, back to the, it's rare. We get like the out of touch uh, promos in terms of how they're laid out, but that seemed to be last week's. So 
Emma gets killed here. Ground and pound from Baszler. Kirifuda clutch. It goes a minute 28. And then Ronda comes out and drills Shayna with his right hand. And Shayna goes to the Kirifuda clutch. Rousey escapes, goes for the arm bar, and has it on when Baszler reaches to the rope to pull herself to the floor. And it's Shayna that is uh, the cowering here and uh, leaving the ring as, I mean, this, this was very much a making it clear to the audience. This is, this is what, how we want you to react to these two. Yeah, and I think that it absolutely helped that Ronda like didn't speak at all <laughs> this week. They just had her come out like you know, be full of aggression, do her physicality, which I thought looked really good here. And they both go go for their submissions. It's like they yeah. both have the other like they each know each other better than anyone else. Exactly. Yeah, I was almost hoping that like the announcers kind of hit that home a little bit harder. That you know the fact that we're essentially seeing a battle of submissions here between Ronda's arm lock and Shayna's um uh, what is it uh, Kirifuda clutch. Um, in fact, like in the middle of the match, you know, you had Shayna tease. She teased the arm bar before going for the Kirifuda clutch. Yeah. 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 So I hope the announcers make a bigger point of like, you know, hinting on just sort of like the that that aspect of this entire rivalry, because um, clearly maybe the other elements of, of the storytelling aren't conducive to people wanting to cheer for Ronda. I'm left thinking how they can continue to build this feud. We've already had a, you know, face-to-face microphone segment that wasn't necessarily, I would say successful in, you know, getting the audience to cheer Ronda. I'm thinking they do more like pre-produced video, you know, where they can edit Ronda's words and hopefully tell her story to make, uh, make her seem somewhat more sympathetic UFC style. Shayna invades browsy acres. That'll just make her cheered even more, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, what about uh, what about they bore from NXT and she? They gotta get uh, what, she, what's she dumps his name? paint on Ronda. A uh, dumps paint on Ronda. Yeah. Um. What wh- what was her coach's name? <laughs> Ronda's Who? coach. Oh, Edmund Tarverdi. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Why is that guy not made the jump to pro wrestling? Edmund. I haven't. Uh, is he of like? What, what's he up to? I mean, he was. He, he's he's not. Um, he's not coaching any like top like UFC names anymore. Like he was involved for for a bit with um, Ed, uh, Edmund Shabazian. He was involved with him, but uh, yeah, he's head movement. Head movement. Yeah, that was that was the famous. Yeah, Edmund Call was head movement for the the Amanda Nunez fight. So ah, maybe maybe if we need a talking head for some video feature. They could use Edmund or, or mm. Jessamyn Duke or, or whoever. We will see. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Cody Rhodes comes out at the end of the second hour, and he apologizes to those at home, and pretty much apologizes to the hard cam, because I'm going to turn my back to you. Mm-hmm. 
He turned wow. his back to the hard cam way. Broke the fourth wall. Oh, my goodness. He sees – he wants to see all the people, and there's no invisible wall between me and the audience. There's nothing performative about me. And he asks about – he was asked by a reporter about his momentum, and he gave an answer and talked about how strong business is. And if he's being honest, his in-ring momentum has been shaky because of a mountain in front of him named Brock Lesnar, who is not here tonight but will be next week. And everyone has a Brock Lesnar in their lives. Fear of heights, Brock Lesnar. Crippling anxiety, Brock Lesnar. Student debt, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> so uh, until until this uh, Biden administration who uh, conquered Brock Lesnar. Um, cl- cl- clearly the, you know, K- uh, <laughs> the K- well, I shouldn't say, make that comparison. Well, he doesn't look... Uh, he says that Brock Lesnar is something that is impeding you from success in your life. If this guy isn't like running for office or being a motivational speaker one day, then oh, he's missed the mark. Okay. Completely. This wrestling stuff is a, it's a stepping stone. It's below him at this point. Yes. He is not the type to that looks and says, why he dreams and says, why not? So he says, why not a rubber match at SummerSlam? Yeah, it sounds so triumphant. When, Dude, like, he Cody is so it. much delivery because yeah. I would say when you do it, it sounds it sounds like I know like, it's like the cheesiest. Like, Dude, Cody's ever. promos, if you read them, like he says, there's nothing performative about me. Dude, everything about him is performative, and yeah. it's a great performance that he yeah. delivers these like very like not too many people could do a Cody Rhodes promo. These would yeah. be very bad from the wrong. Delivery. I think that's just your natural gift of like making anything sound funny too, though, you know, so <laughs> that the credit to John Pollock as well for his, uh, again, a wonderful recap, but you're absolutely right. I thought Cody sounded magnificent here in cutting this promo that ultimately didn't say a whole lot. You know, all he did was come out here and ask for Fuck rubber student match. debt, <laughs> but he did it in such a way that just like, like felt like an incredible politician he really has incredible charisma when it comes to just coming out and just delivering like the most basic but simple and easy to understand promos even something as simple as like i'm going to turn my back to the to the hard cam so that i can acknowledge the crowd in attendance here what a great baby face line you know um like using brock lesnar as a metaphor for the obstacles in your life i think that's that's genius your terrible boss is Brock Lesnar. Uh, uh, you know, your fear of heights is Brock Lesnar. And let's conquer Brock Lesnar together. You know, like it's 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 excellent, excellent stuff. I think he continues to be the best promo for an active wrestler. Honestly, the only rival in the entire company is Paul Heyman to, to Cody. And maybe Cody's even better. And he ends it by stating he knows what it means if he beats Brock Lesnar. Because he doesn't want to be the prince forever. I want to be next in line. Mm-hmm. He wants to start from scratch. He wants to be in the NIL program. The NIL, yeah. He wants to get sponsorships. Well, I don't think he'd him. make it. He's not an athlete in college, so I don't think he he they'd be interested in him. Really. So, yeah, it's interesting. So they're they're setting this up that like there would be, you know, e- either winner here would be in line for your your title shot um, to. <laughs> Continue here. He didn't specifically state which title, though. No, I, by design, yes. But yeah, you're led to believe that if he wins this, that okay, that's the next uh, chapter here. Is it, what title is he going to go for? 
Yeah. And how does he get thwarted again? Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think it specifically means that the winner of this will get a title shot. It just means this will set Cody back on his path of, towards winning the championship. They could make it for a championship match, and I think a Seth match either way would make sense. In fact, if that's the case, I would consider having Brock win. Even, I, th- I think know? the Rollins and Brock is a natural to go to. Totally, yeah. But then how does Cody finish his story? How does he get past this mountain? I mean, you could you could do a fourth Brock match before the end of the year. Like, well, if you have true. to keep Cody busy until the Rumble. <laughs> Four Brock matches? That seems excessive, but you're right. Like they've We're, we're going to get the fourth Cody Brock, and we're going to get the fourth uh, Pantoja-Brandon Moreno fight this year. That's what's wow. going to happen. Okay. I love, love, love the promo, honestly. You know, it keeps the focus on finishing his story, which is winning the world championship, and I, I just thought it was done in such a such a wonderful way. The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa, no DQ. Ciampa grabs a chair from the floor, and Corey Graves... This poor guy, like he has to do a lot of heavy lifting on this show with Kevin Patrick. Like he has to, he has to do a lot of the play-by-play and color. So he is going to explain how does a no DQ match work, and he just gets so tied up. He's just like, "Help me out, Kevin!" <laughs> like he was just <laughs> like, "I my battery's on low here," and uh, Patrick is like, "There are no rules." <laughs> like, thank you, thank you, Kevin. So there's a chair to the midsection of Miz. Then it's placed around Miz's neck, and he's running to the post. And Ciampa clears the table, the desk, and Miz gets sent off the desk, and Ciampa brings out the table for the wild pop. And Miz is sent off the turnbuckle and caught with a knee strike. And Ciampa's attacking him with the trash can lids, puts him through the table off of the turnbuckle, and Ciampa has it won when Jonah resurfaces and he attacks Ciampa, hits him with the tsunami and allows Miz to roll on top in 1135. And they do explain Jonah's been the insurance policy in the past for Miz. You mean Bronson Reed, but yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I wrote Jonah here and I, I completely, <laughs> straight from the G1. He's, oh he's come gosh. to the WWE. I have not deciphered between Jonah and Bronson Reed at all. Um, so yes, Bronson Reed, as they call him, um, just the out here for, Miz to get the win. Mm-hmm. I thought this was actually like a pretty good match. You know, when they announced this rematch, I was kind of like skeptical because I feel like the less time Ciampa spends with the Miz, the better for his status on this card. But what happened instead was we got a Ciampa match where he kind of dragged Miz to wrestle his style. And that meant very high intensity, almost like a violent style of match that we're not used to seeing with Miz matches. Um, and, and as a result, I thought the crowd energy was really strong throughout. I liked the intro- reintroduction of Reed here because it's sort of like what they're telling the story of Miz's old lackey versus his current lackey. Um, <laughs> what a story. And, and I guess it does set the stage for Ciampa to find his own tag team partner, which we could probably all make guesses about who. Baron Corbin. I was going to say Okada. If we're going to, you know, uh, talk about Jonah opponents yeah why why not why don't you loan out tanahashi to do wwe dates on top of it you can fly back and forth as we uh, we want to just work this man to the bone raquel and Liv are with chelsea and sonia deville and chelsea and sonia ask why are you sitting ringside for our match that was the question i was asking during this match because they played no role in this and then ripley walks up to raquel and Liv and tells them to focus on the tag division and stay out of my business next time Next time, it's strike three. And Chelsea, like, chimes in, yeah, strike three, basketball. <laughs> Just a very good line. Very funny. Uh, Liv says, we are not scared of you. And Raquel tells Rhea to just deal with it. Mm-hmm. 
they continue to you know um build up Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez so many things are being based around Rhea Ripley but I think it's all like working pretty well you know they're having Raquel look like somebody who is an equal to Rhea Ripley somebody who does not get intimidated by her somebody who does not back down and she seems you know a pretty strong baby face at the moment where do you think they do that match SummerSlam. I think that could be a SummerSlam match. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the singles match, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they're going to do the tag title match next week, which, I mean, just this is a TV match. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville against Caden Carter and Katana Chance with Raquel and Liv ringside. Chelsea Green was tagged, and she went for the sunset flip from the apron into the ring, and this was the scariest looking thing. The way she came down, I mean, I thought she was going to, like, land on her head here. This was just really, really ugly looking. And DeVille just, like, comes in and hits Carter with a running knee, and then, like, I'm watching this, and then all of a sudden, Green is seated on Caden Carter's shoulders. It's like, maybe this is not the week to replicate the Super Frankensteiner, and they didn't, as they teased it, but Chance was stopped by DeVille, uh, Green eventually uses a crucifix to Chance while putting her legs on the rope, and Deville holds down for the leverage in 223. A very bad match. Pretty sloppy, unfortunately. I'm, I felt like in my memory, maybe they did better last time, even in the tag team turmoil. But I mean, that was probably a much shorter than what what this was. I was well, not was, really. They had the big Frankensteiner spot last week, which was the the big high point of their match. But yeah, they've got to do a tag title match with Raquel and Liv next week. That. I don't know how long you uh, you schedule that one for, but this is yeah. sort of just a keep busy title match. And that's the type of team that Chelsea and Sonya are. I mean, they're they're one of the few teams with actual personality, so they keep getting airtime and therefore they keep getting title shots. But they're so cold as contenders that you kind of know the results, you know, just going like Carter in. and Chance. I understand it's the babyface dynamic, but I think that'd be a really exciting television match. I Well, I think that's coming. I think they mm-hmm. see a lot. I hope that it means they see a long term, you know, game with, with those two because they continue to feel like the only actual tag team in this entire division. They, they have explained in this moves. match, they're one of the rare teams that like travel together and hang out together. Yeah. It's like they're actually friends. They yeah. like each other. Like they're matching other teams to show up the work. They're matching gear. They like they have really cool, like, you know, tag team tag team moves. So I continue to be very optimistic for them. And I think they're playing the long game with them. I can see them being like long, long reigning champions. But man, there aren't many teams in this division for them to go through. So they could take their time with them. Drew is with Riddle. These two have so little. Like, it feels like the most manufactured friendship that they have. Like, I could not fathom Drew lasting 10 minutes with this guy before he's like, I got to go. So, yeah. b walks in and Drew asks, when that, did all is that these... What, is that what you're calling them? Or no, is that what that's what Drew called them, b And Drew asks, when did all these groups pop up? He's going to eradicate them, starting with Imperium, along with Matt Riddle's help. And Riddle then brings up that he has a match with Gunther next week. And Drew asks, why don't you hold it off for a few weeks? Because I'm off next week. And Riddle's like, we can get time off. And Riddle says, I've already got Kaiser and Vinci barred from ringside. And so Drew says, okay, cool. Let's go check out Buffalo. I'm really curious to know what they did. Uh, They walked in two separate exits <laughs> left the key bank center and they will see each other in two weeks okay, like monday night at like 10 p.m in buffalo I'd, I'd i'd love to know where they ended up going mighty taco maybe um 
Yeah, I could. I couldn't even give you any any great idea. Uh, somewhere with buffalo wings. Like we've we've tried to look for places to go outside of like this this building after going to a show in Buffalo, and it's there wasn't that much going on. So maybe they know something we don't. Well, next week they are in Atlanta. So big crowd for Cody next week. Brock Lesnar will be on the show. Alpha Academy against Viking Raiders in a Viking Rules match. Lib Morgan and Raquel against Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green for the women's tag titles. And Gunther against Matt Riddle with Imperium barred from ringside. Uh, this is not listed as a title match. Hmm. So, like, what? Has he earned it? I guess not. But you go to all this effort to get them barred from ringside for a non-title match. Didn't Riddle lose to Gunther recently? Or am I On the pay-per-view. He just got destroyed by him. Well, then what, what has he done to earn a title match? What I don't know. He's trying to gain another title match. That's what this is. Okay. Well, good luck. Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn against Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. This is where Graves notes that uh, Carmelo Hayes should watch his back tomorrow night. Everyone's on the floor brawling when Owens leaps off the top of a somersault dive onto Judgment Day. We come back. The heat is on Owens. And eventually, Rollins gets the tag, and he's nailed with a head kick from Priest who drops him. Priest then is knocked into Balor, knocking his partner off the apron after Rollins sends him in. There's a pedigree on Priest, but Balor returns to save Priest, and he tags himself in. And then Balor goes for this sling blade, and him and Rollins were just uh, on the different page here because this was the the worst-looking sling blade Balor has ever delivered, but he did a, a, a make good moments later. Too. Rollins was going Rollins. for like a, his roll, uh, his rolling elbow at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they were doing two separate things at once. Um, yeah. And so then there's a blind tag by Dom who hits a frog splash for a near fall when Zane saves Balor. And we get into the, uh, the final set of sequences here where uh, Dominic uh, ends up taking a blue thunder bomb after Z- Zane doesn't get all of the first one. Then Owens is in to stun him. Zane sends priest out. Then Zane hits an exploder goes for the Haluva, but Rhea Lee uh, gets involved, stopping the Haluva kick, which leads to the South of heaven and a coup de grace with Balor pinning Zane in 1229. And afterward, Balor and priest are staring at each other before they shake hands and hug as Rhea Ripley cheers that the family is reunited and she is now in the presence of two adults and Dominic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like some maybe uncharacteristic, like sloppy moments in this match too, but I yeah, mean, there overall, was a, a, few, a few things that were off overall. Like I thought they delivered like a decent amount of quality. I'll be honest. Like this was like a show where, where the drag of three hours definitely felt that way to me. And I think that's coupled with the fact that, I mean, none of these matches are really solving anything. That's sort of like, all that relevant to the, the the big picture of the story. I mean, I mean, it's Balor getting at least a win uh, to set up. Rollins. Yeah, momentum. He gained momentum. So you know, if you need to see somebody gain momentum, I mean, the story here is also just like yeah, Judgment Day getting back on the same page, and now there's the double threat of both Balor and Damian Priest going for Seth Rollins' championship. Uh, you know, with the Money in the Bank uh, on their side as well. So, um, fine, but like. I really feel like this show is missing like that hot program, you know, the way that the bloodline program has really anchored SmackDown. I'm not sensing anything that's coming close. Maybe like, I don't know. Brock makes such few appearances on, on, on raw that like that doesn't necessarily feel like it's got that big of a presence. And for a show that's three hours long, I think you need like something a lot harder than what they're providing. Yeah. I think Owens and Zane are sort of just, um, 
they, they just feel like there are two key components on this show that are not clicking because they don't have dance partners at the at, other than being add-ons for your makeshift main events and being add-ons to Rollins and doing these multi-man tags. Like they don't have that rivalry that's going on that is going to best utilize them. And you're leaning into like the comedic stuff with Owens or just the indifference that we got in the promo earlier. It just feels as though they're, they're, there's a big void in this tag division with great champions and guys that we can headline shows with that can headline house shows. But it's, you know, it's pretty slim pickings when it comes to challengers and setting up anything of substance. Who do you think they face at SummerSlam? I mean, I look at this, I'm I'm not kidding that I feel like they will at some point be programmed within this year, who I think they are going to give that kind of a push to as like threats to the title. I don't think you maybe have that happen at SummerSlam that early. Um, is there p- the possibility that they are not on SummerSlam or they're doing something like if you look at the card, like there's they're probably like seven, eight matches deep now mm-hmm. of uh, what, what's going to be on that card. Uh, you can put them on the show, but if it's a tag title match, it's sort of just a throwaway with Imperium or something. I think there's there's possible build to like Damien Priest and, and Dominic challenging at this point. You know, they've kind of set that up. I also wonder if that was can, teased tonight. So I also that's... wonder if we're at the point where like they could even consider a Rhea Ripley with Dominic challenging because like that's what she's alluded to right any pairing of us can win those tag team championships and that would certainly be spectacle but I mean how would they get around a whole match if there's still that rule of like you know the men not being able to attack the women I think it's tough to pull off I think they like the idea of teasing that but um yeah I mean you could do Priest and Dominic like it's a a match to get four of your key people on SummerSlam Hmm. I don't know if it's a huge match but it's it's what tag team match does feel like it's a huge match. Oh, they don't have got... one. They don't have one unless you were like, you know, you could do the Usos again, but that's the, the timing is not right for that. And mm. I mean, the, you don't have that, that team that is kind of jumping out at things like it's, it's not a deep tag division when you're talking about like building up all these teams and, mm. you know, you have a lot more alpha academies than you do Usos to book around. That is it for the review of the show, but If you want to throw in any super chats, we do have some feedback from the forum as well. So we want to hear from you. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com where all of our post wrestling cafe patrons can write feedback for all of our post shows uh, anytime. So would you like to start us off, John? Let's start with Jermaine from Chicago. Raw was okay. I fully know Vince is pulling the strings when I see Vince's booking trope of promising you one match and turning it into a tag match. Okay, he's referring to Rollins and Dominic. Because when they said Vince was steaming because of what Miz and Daniel Bryan did on Talking Smack, because he said, you never promise a match you can't deliver. That's one, <laughs> of, that's one of a book of hypocritical statements Vince has made. So in this year is coming. So what was the three matches we've seen on Raw? Practice? Lastly, I've been watching wrestling as long as you guys have. I just can't understand how you guys give the money in the bank to a guy who wrestles the champion on a regular basis. Well, let's clarify. Way and I did not give the briefcase to anybody. Yeah. We did not. I promise we had no say in this priest wasn't elevated one bit by winning the briefcase. You should make someone winning that match. Am I crazy? You're always crazy, Jermaine, but we enjoy your craziness. Um, I mean, okay. So is he, he's saying, I don't know who's making, he's making a case for LA Knight. Is that the, the option? Like who's going to be elevated by winning this? Logan Paul was not going to be elevated, but I thought that was the stronger pick. 
Um, but I don't, I don't, Priest to me is a fine option to go with because that's the story you're telling at the moment. I think elevated is just kind of subjective, you know, like um, rather than necessarily like increasing his role on the card, like you want to maybe have somebody set up a storyline for their chase to the championship. And that's what they've managed to achieve here with um, L- LA Knight's chase is getting a role on television. It's not winning the championship. I honestly believe like the briefcase would actually, I don't think it would do what people think it would for LA Knight. I, I think that guy's in like a fine position and losing that match to me does not harm him. Mm-hmm. People just want to see him on television. They want to see the audience, the, the company get behind him. And I think WWE knows this. I think they have a very, um, you know, it's the, I think in time, like, I think they realize what they have in LA night. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who else you look in that match. That's like, man, they really blew it with this guy, like Ricochet winning or Shinsuke I, Nakamura. I also think beyond like just giving a, a guy money in the bank, you have to ask, can you see them as world champion? You know, because I think having a failed cash in is even worse than actually winning it. And, you know, and priest, I can priest anything. winning the Rollins title. I, I don't think that's crazy of everybody that was involved in the match. I mean, if it's not going to be LA Knight, and maybe they don't see Logan Paul as somebody who should be having a championship of theirs. Damian priest would definitely be the guy then. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think it's crazy in this next year that priest would win the title. Let's go to Sal from California who says, I didn't watch Raw tonight, but I just wanted to say that Kate and John Cena have been doing great on the Collision Reviews. I was happy to see you'd be covering the show, and they are a great team. Completely agree. Thank you for uh, mentioning that, Sal. He also says, I also really enjoyed your interview with Chris Hero last week. I went to West Coast Pro on Saturday, and it was a great show top to bottom. The highlight was Brian Keith versus Mal, and which even had a Yoshihiko appearance. I highly recommend anyone in the Bay Area to check out their shows. Appreciate all the extra shows on the Patreon feed lately. Have a great night. Yeah, I heard great things about the uh, the Brian Keith uh, Mao match. So if you want to check out that show, it's up on independentwrestling.tv uh, to check out. Last word goes to Muggin. A solid, well-paced episode with Judgment Day being the glue that held it together. The main event was predictably fun, and it may point to a chase for the tag titles. It does free up Rollins for now, but is it worth the risk? I'll see what NXT has in store for the Great American Bash. Probably a Mellow Balor rematch. Maybe means uh, Mellow Breaker rematch, I think. Did Mel oh, Bella and Mello and Balor had a match on um Raw? Um, oh yeah. well, I mean they they've set up though like Breaker and Ilya as the number one contenders match. I I don't know if you're gonna throw Balor into in into that. Hmm. Anyway, Zoe Stark and Becky Lynch put on a good match, and once again Trish continues to elude her. Becky needs backup to keep them both looking uh, to keep them from looking foolish. All right, mm-hmm. so there you have. Uh, it. Did, hey, do you we- see any of Judgment Day wrestling on the show tomorrow? Or being set up for Great American Bash in any way. I, I think probably more like more, more than likely a setup. Um, I feel like if it was a match, they'd probably make a bigger deal out of it. Maybe that's why they didn't promote it as hard on in the body of the show itself, is because they're maybe waiting for you know something a bit more concrete. And uh, what's the match? You could see. Um, like if it's the whole faction. Um, I wonder if we can get like a multi multi person match even, you know. You certainly have the women that you could put someone against Rhea Ripley, um, mm-hmm. and that would be fine to do. Like if Roxanne Perez had not just lost to Blair Davenport last week, I could see that being a match you do at the Bash or even on mm-hmm. on on television if you wanted to. Um, anyway, they're there, they're and they probably shoot shoot an angle at least. But I could see a match of some sort coming up with any or all of the members. We also have a super chat here coming in from Hanzi who says. Thank you, Hansi, for the support. He says, Seth, Sammy, and Kale versus Judgment Day. All titles on the line? Question mark. 
I mean, they did throw that in the in the promo with Rhea that they they want to go after all the titles. I'm never a big fan of the singles title involved in a multi-man like tag match situation. Um, I, how I just, do you split the championships at that point? Like who wins the world and who wins the tags? Yeah, it gets uh, it gets confusing. And it also, to me, kind of muddies the story that is Damian Priest having the briefcase and Balor has one more shot to go after Seth mm-hmm. Rollins. So I I personally like the singles route better with the Damian story uh, as opposed to this. But I mean, you also like that is being teased here by the, the, the promo that, you know, you could certainly work out where, you know, Priest and Dominic go for the tag titles. Or Rhea Ripley could happen. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even you could even flip the tag titles onto like Priest and Dominic, and then it's like Balor's the only one without a title coming out of SummerSlam, hmm. Hmm. and he's like he's blowing his last chance, and now it's Priest who is kind of he's got the briefcase and he's got a title. All right, there you have it. Those are our thoughts on Raw. We are going to be back on Tuesday, so check out Talk on the Post Wrestling Cafe again. A big week on the cafe. Six bonus shows coming your way, uh, including. The Double Shot is back Wednesday night. We'll be live immediately after Rewind to Dynamite chatting the Adrian Adonis episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And then it continues throughout the week with MCU Later, Rewind to SmackDown, G1, Collision Course, all of it coming your way. And thanks for tuning in. We're back before you know it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.